0: Welcome to the Bernie Lytics Podcast. This is where we'll go over this week's NASCAR news, NASCAR stats, looking forward to the weekend. Coming up this weekend is the clash at the LA Coliseum. All excited to get NASCAR back on the TV. My name is Matt, along with my co-hosts Brandon and Marky. We're going to go over what Bernie is, who he is, what he does, and then give you some stats for the weekend ahead. So, Bernie is an artificial intelligence computer program basically that we built over the winter here, looking back at the last 25 plus years of NASCAR, going down to racing reference info to get all the starting and finishing position teams. We even found some nice NASCAR endpoints that gave us pit stop times, fastest laps, and more data than we could ever dream of. So we'll go use all that data to program Bernie, get Bernie training, and give you the best stats to make the best daily fantasy teams, make all your draft picks, get your matchup bets and your parlays going, and we'll make some money together this season. So with that, let's move into the off-season wrap-up. We're going to check out who's on new cars, who's on new teams. Let's go over to Brandon, our NASCAR encyclopedia, see what he's got.
1: Hey! I like that. Might use that more often. Alright, so we're talking about some of the switches and moves going on here in the off season. Obviously, uh, start with some of the big ones. Brad Kozlowski moving over from the 2 at Penske to uh, go to Roush Fenway Racing in the 6 car. Bought part of the team in the off season. Gonna be taking over some ownership roles. It's gonna be a bit of a different setting there. Um, I'm expecting some big changes and hopefully some better results out of that team and Hopefully, Brad will continue to be the type of caliber driver that he is and contend to you know win races and hopefully maybe win a championship or something moving forward. That's asking a lot, but we'll see. Um, other big moves. Kurt Busch over to 2311 Racing. He's going to be in their new second team in the 45 car, um, being teammates with Bubba Wallace. Um, be interesting to see how that goes. That team with Bubba was uh, making strides towards the end of last year. Going to two cars... Could take a little bit of time to you know, iron things out, but I think that's going to be another interesting situation. Uh, Ross Chastain going over to Trackhouse from Chip Ganassi Racing, just like Kurt, needed a new ride after his team uh, closed up shop at the end of the year. I think this is more of a lateral move. Trackhouse getting a lot of Ganassi's equipment. Probably going to see some similar results. Trackhouse was, you know, they did start out the season pretty good last year. I think they... Had some hiccups in the middle to the end part of the season, but moving into a new shop, getting some people from Ganassi, uh, new car, possibly could even the playing field. I think we'll be seeing Ross Chastain ultimately contending for a playoff spot. Maybe he'll sneak in there comes playoff time in the fall. Some other moves. Uh, Let's take a look at some new drivers to the series. The rookies, Austin Sindrick, uh, former Xfinity Series champ, going over to Penske to replace Brad Keselowski. Obviously, the highest profile ride, Cedric being a great road racer, I think he's going to make some noise throughout the season. Uh, Harrison Burton moving over to the Wood Brothers 21 car, replacing Matt DiBenedetto. I think that's going to be about a lateral move. Um, Harrison, decent driver in the Xfinity series, Uh, going to a solid team here in the Cup Series for his first year. Don't expect him to be contending for wins or top fives out of the gate, obviously. Um, Probably... Mid-pack driver. Wouldn't be shocked to see him get some top 10s. And then Todd Gilliland over to the 38. Front row, motorsports, second car. Kind of, I'd say, I don't want to say they don't focus on it as much as the 34, but it has lacked in previous years behind Michael McDowell. Could very well be to the drivers that have been in the vehicle. Um, you know, Um, John Hunter Nemechek was a rookie driver two years ago. Anthony Alfredo, a rookie last year. Gilliland, a rookie this year. Hopefully he can just keep the car clean, gain experience. And then two new teams to the Cup Series. Justin Haley with Colleague. Not a rookie driver, um, despite having not run for points. He's done a number of races in the past couple of seasons, including that rain short win at Daytona a few years ago. He'll be in the 31 car full-time. And then Ty Dillon to the new Petty GMS team, um, merging or buying out, I guess, Petty Motorsports. Uh, He'll be in the 42 teammates with Eric Jones. Honestly, probably the best ride Ty Dillon's been in. Never really did anything in the Cup Series, but if he could put that in like a solid mid-pack position, that wouldn't shock me one bit. Moving forward into the season,
2: I think it's safe to say that Brad going over to Roush, formerly Roush Fenway Racing, now Roush Fenway Keslowski Racing, driving the six is probably the most of the interesting matchup of the new uh, teams and drivers. It's definitely something, Jacob, we haven't really seen with this big name of a driver since probably Tony Stewart, although you can make the argument, I, I suppose, with Truex as well. What would you say would mark a successful season for Brad in, in the six?
1: I mean, personally, I think if he goes out there, gets a playoff spot, um, regardless if he wins a race or not, I know Brad obviously would want to win a race. Uh, that That's something that means a lot to him. Uh, He's only had one season since he was full-time in the Cup Series where he went winless. But given where the team is at, um, they've only made the playoffs once since, I want to say, Carl Edwards left after the 2014 season. And that was when Ricky Stenhouse won two races in 2017 when he won Talladega and Daytona. I think if Brad could get that in a points playoff spot where he gets in on points, regardless of a win, I'd consider that a a successful year. Wouldn't shock me if maybe he eked out a win. You know, he's a great plate racer. Atlanta with its new reconfiguration, more of a plate track now, could add two opportunities for him to park his car in Victory Lane. So we'll wait and see. But I think playoffs, that'd be a successful year for Brad.
2: Uh, one, one slight correction. just Newman did. He in fact, did. Make the That's right. That's what happens. With it. it was a surprise. <laughs> it, it was a surprise at the yeah. time. Yeah. Um, so getting back there, I definitely say it would be a good yes. benchmark for. Totally. For this new team. Relatively totally
1: space that. New, <laughs> probably because he was so invisible last year.
2: Of these drivers and or new teams, which one do you think will surprise people the most? Either could really be either way, either with the competitiveness of them, or if they just completely missed the mark.
1: Surprising. I mean, I think surprising would be probably Kurt. Because to me, that one with the 45, that's really up in the air in my mind. I think a lot of people are penciling that team into a playoff position, especially because Bubba was able to win a race at the end of the year last year. But going to two cars, I, I am a little worried about that. You know, it's one of those situations where it's the team spreading itself a little too thin. I think they have a lot of income coming in with, you know, the team owners, you know, being Denny and Michael Jordan, and they have good sponsorship opportunities with Bubba and Kurt bringing over Monster. But I do worry if the foundation is in place, if they're ready to expand to two cars, um, I could see that team struggling out of the gate. So that could be one where I think some people are expecting big things out of that. They might not live up to those expectations right away anyways.
0: I think it's easy to kind of pencil curtain, though, for a playoff spot, even with the team, because of what he's done with other lower funded teams in the past, like Phoenix Racing or when he was over um, at Furniture Row.
1: That that furniture row one's a good one. Um, I mean, that team was nothing until Kurt got there. He took a team that they had one big moment when Regan Smith won the Southern 500, which was pretty much on a pit call. He took them and made him a playoff team. So I think that's a very good
2: point. Kurt is a good bit older now since he. Yeah, been. but
0: still, I mean, his he's still very consistent and average out there, and I don't think that will be much affected by the team. I mean, Bubba was still getting average midfield finishes for most of the season, and Kurt's above and beyond his skill set.
2: Oh. I, I, really, what I feel like it probably ends up boiling down to is, is 23 as it stands now, better than Ganassi was last year? Because it's easy to lose sight of it because he did win a race, but without that win, he would have... I I think he might have actually missed the playoffs. I don't remember for sure. But so many drivers got wins last year that it did move that cut line up. And I think now there are only just even more drivers who could potentially walk away with a surprise win here. Well, today. when you're
0: talking about the next gen car and the teams this year, I think the racing is going to be a lot closer. Definitely going to be a lot more surprising wins. We've got the self-proclaimed a new super speedway of Atlanta on the schedule. So you're going to add in a couple more random winners there.
2: Wind up going there twice in the regular season, so if it does wind up racing as it's been billed as being a super, super speedway esque race, that is five super speedway races in the regular season. So we definitely could see maybe for the first time a driver in the top ten in points miss out on the playoffs in the cup mean, That'd be something.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, because we got five, you got five wildcard races, and then we all know there's a couple people out there that know how to turn right better than some others so we'll uh get the road course ringer that might win a race and throw a wrench in the plan for somebody
2: always could wind up with a driver who wouldn't normally win winning on at dirt bristol as well as we also have another new track this year as well
1: yeah i think gateway we haven't talked about him because he isn't on a new team this is well down the road but that's a track where I would look at maybe a Christopher Bell type, where, you know, I think a lot of people expect him to win at some point this year. It's really good at the flat tracks. Um, it's a little bit of a different shape and a little bit longer, but you've seen Gateway sometimes draw comparisons to New Hampshire. Christopher Bell was probably about a set of lights away from winning that New Hampshire race this past year. So I think that's a track where new track. He's run there, you know, recently compared to other guys, having been in the truck series um previously and had an opportunity to run there when he was running full time. I think that's a place where you might look at someone like a Christopher Bell to maybe sneak out a win and possibly shake things up depending on how he's doing throughout the rest of the year.
2: With with the new card is really anyone's guess as to what'll likely happen down the stretch. I think we'll see a lot of our contenders continue to be contenders. But I certainly think it's possible we end up with more surprise winners than we normally had. Maybe by the end of the year, we won't even really look back and it'll be a surprise, yep. but at least at the time.
0: I yeah. mean, it, it, I don't think we'll see a huge shakeup at the one miles or the flatter tracks. I mean, just based on the Phoenix testing alone, the, the way the drivers shook out there was not surprising at all with Kyle Larson leading the first day, Ryan Blaney leading the second when the Fords are majority there. If anything, I'd say surprising was that the Toyotas didn't really show up to that to that test session very well. But it's still early on; still shaking these cars out. As we know, there's cars already on their way out to LA that don't even have the right parts on them. There's cars on their way to Daytona that don't have the right parts on them. I think even on these lower-funded teams, part of your issue is just going to be getting to get all the parts, the right parts installed for these events.
2: It'll certainly be a unprecedented season in terms of what we end up seeing and some of the difficulties that'll be facing these teams.
0: So I think the, I think the one to watch this year though, is not really a new team, but it's newly funded with the new owner. Kozlowski in there is just, he's going from a team. He's going from an average finish of himself in the top tens to a team that's averaging finishes and mid pack or worse uh, in most cases. So he's really going to have to bring it, whatever he's bringing over there for leadership. If he wants to, I don't ever foresee him making the final round of the chase, not this year at least, but if he wants to make the chase and even get into maybe the second round.
2: He is going to a team that just last year, their highlights were, I believe, winning a stage with Chris Chris Buescher and having some strong runs in the beginning of races with Chris Busher, but at the end of the day, I, I think... Uh, Busher wound up running into the top sixteen in points and didn't make it because of the numerous winners we had. But it'll certainly be an adjustment period for Brad, and it'll it'll definitely be interesting to see how quickly they can get. A noticeable increase in in their performance compared to what we've seen the last. We
0: expect years. a huge increase out of Busher by Brad going there, though. I mean, Busher, his entire career hasn't ever been an amazing driver by any means. but always he's always there. He's always given his best effort, can get you a couple top tens here or there um, and' we'll run up front, and give you some TV time. But yeah, like like you just said, he fails to really finish these races off. to Do, does he make the chase this year, possibly with the extra support?
2: I mean, I think this will certainly be the best chance he's had. They'll have extra support. Having a veteran driver there can make a huge difference. And not that Ryan Newman is a veteran. He's obviously a a long-seasoned veteran. But the competitiveness level just wasn't there anymore. So the Brad will certainly make that change. And, I mean, Chris Buescher does now go back to being the driver that's at least expected to perform less. But he's also had... There's been pretty high expectations around... Busher ever since he beat Chase in that Xfinity title many years ago. And he's never quite lived up to him. And he hasn't always had the opportunity to. And I don't want to say that this year is a make it or break it year for him. But if Brad goes out, can run in the top five sometimes, can get in the top 10 in points, and Busher's still struggling to finish top 16 in points, it definitely... Definitely puts the seat a little warmer than it has.
1: I think you also got to look at some of the people that Brad has brought over. They went out and they did get uh, quite a few people from Ganassi when they were closing, which I would say has been a better organization than Roush, probably for the last half decade to decade or so. I know Matt McCall going over there. He's going to be Brad's crew chief, but that's going to be someone new that you could bounce notes off of, share information with. I think that could benefit the team. It could very well benefit Busher just having another person in there to... Get new ideas and try new stuff. I think the new car, I don't know if I'm as sold as Matt is in terms of bringing everything together. But if it does have that effect, I think you're going to see that team with Kozlowski and Busher come, you know, a bit closer to the rest of the pack. Maybe they're not contending for wins, but maybe they'll show flashes. Maybe they'll be a team like, you know, Richard Childress was last year where, you saw the improvement from Austin Dillon and Tyler Reddick. You saw Reddick race his way into the playoffs. Maybe you could get that push with Roush Fenway Racing. And I agree that's a make or break it year for Busher. I don't think he has to make the playoffs cuz with the possibility of, you know, more random winners this year, he could have a top 15 season and miss because, you know, we get another Michael McDowell winning at Daytona. As long as he's showing improvement, I think that'll be good enough for, you know, Brad and everybody else in that organization.
2: Yeah, I, I will say that, at least for the first time in a while, if there are still issues with uh, this team, it won't feel like it's necessarily because of a lack of attempt. This will def- They're definitely set up To be the most successful, they've been in the better part of a decade. I mean, since Carl left in 2014, they have two wins, and they were both at plate tracks. And they haven't had a driver with double-digit top tens since Matt Kenseth left in 2012. Or sorry, double-digit top fives since Matt Kenseth left in 2012. So it's it's a weird combination of if you look at it just from the Perspective of it being what was Roush Fenway Racing. The bar is certainly higher than it's been before for them. But if you look at the perspective of what Brad's been able to do, you obviously can't expect him to continue that level of, of uh, competitiveness that he's had throughout his career at Penske. So it'll definitely be interesting if they do have, you know, Brad's running top 10 occasionally and winds up 12th in points. How that winds up feeling at the end of the season? Is that a success or does it maybe feel like it's not quite what Damn. we expected?
0: So, we've talked a lot about people that have changed teams and moving to other teams, but there's also another big change going on this year, and that is the car. NASCAR deciding that we're going to go to a 670 horsepower package with a four inch spoiler on every track except the super speedways, including the now super speedway Atlanta. So what drivers do you guys think are going to benefit most from having the extra horsepower from the original 500 package, the lower downforce? I've heard a lot of rumors about people calling out Alex Bowman, saying Alex Bowman performed better on the high horsepower, low downforce tracks last year. Do we think he can maybe perform a little bit better this year?
2: I mean, Alex Bowman, especially last year, right, four wins, also fails to finish top 10 in in the points. It really do I think he'll win four races again this year? No, I would be surprised. To that's a good amount, especially when you look at some of the way that those races played out. But I think there's also an expectation that if he goes winless, but you know, manages to finish top eight in points, I think it's almost a wash to last year. But when you actually look at the overall numbers, like he definitely was that fourth driver there at at Hendrick, but he did have the second most wins, and he could benefit from it, but. It's not quite as high a downforce, as or as uh, high of horsepower, low downforce as the short tracks were last year. And overall, Hendrick as a whole was pretty solid on all of them. If I have to look somewhere for where there might be an improvement, at least based on last year, I think the thing that sticks out is Stuart Haas racing. Uh, I know Almirola won a race last year, and Harvick still, points-wise, wound up finishing fifth. But when you look at his overall performance, it was definitely the worst year that Harvick's had at Stuart Haas racing, but they did seem to have more speed at the high horsepower, low downforce races. So if we expect a team to see a a quick change, at least that's the team I'd be looking at to see that. No,
1: I was going to say, I'd I'd agree with that. Um, You really saw that with Stuart Haas kind of in the middle of the year. I think when they hit that spot kind of around Nashville, it became really clear that their problems were with the high downforce, low low, uh, horsepower package. So making that move to you know more horsepower, um, less downforce, I think that's really going to benefit them. I don't know if you're going to see like a uh, complete turnaround from someone like Harvick. He is a year older. He is getting up there in age. The talks of retirement have been swirling around with him for a while now. But I'd be pretty surprised if he didn't make a couple trips back to victory lane in this coming season.
0: I think looking back at this past year, though, it's not Harvick's fault necessarily struggling to win these races. I mean, if you look at a lot of the times where he didn't win, it's because you had Larson or another Hendrick car up there or the Chevys. Up until this past year, the Chevys kind of were the ones that were underpowered, struggling to win on these tracks. And you were you were seeing people from Stuart Haas like Kevin Harvick win or the Toyotas win. So is this a fact of Harvick? sliding back, or did Hendrick and the Chevys just become so good that Stuart Haas can't compete anymore?
1: I think it's both. I, I think in in this situation, Stuart Haas, I mean, I think Tony made it clear that there were changes made in the off season last year that took away from that team, and they were Fighting all year to gain him back, and you did see those gains near the end of the year. I mean, there were a couple races where even at the 550 tracks that Harvick looked good at. I mean, he was in contention at times at Kansas in the fall, so they were making strides. But they definitely started the year behind the eight ball. Hendrick Motorsports that was their best year, arguably they've had. I mean, you could put what they did last year up against 2007, what you know Jeff and Jimmy did that year, and you could make a realistic argument that it was even better than that. And that was one of the best years that you've seen out of two drivers in the history of the sport. So I think it was a combination of both. I think, you know, Hendrick Motorsports, they were able to get a step ahead on everybody, and Stuart Haas probably took a step back.
2: I think it's safe to say Stuart Haas took a, took a step back. Cole Custer ran a little bit worse than he did the year prior. And Eric Almirola, for a good part of the year, ran considerably worse than we had seen him run at stuart haas at all honestly running at levels that he had been running at when he was formerly with richard petty motorsports so i think it's definitely to me feels like it was a good part of it was stuart haas falling back even if they were at the rate that they were before i don't think we would have seen the level of domination from harvick that we had seen prior because i do think the chevy's got a lot bigger a lot better but I definitely think you need to, like, as Brandon said, you definitely saw because towards the end of the year, Harvick started having more speed and started running better. <laughs> the The thing, and that's why I, I think Harvick will definitely win as long as a good chunk of the season through before they had two cars finish in the top 10 in the same race. And I just, I think, you know, as Brandon said, there were some rule changes that maybe happened with the Fords or specifically with the Stuart Haas ones that they weren't allowed to do some of the stuff they've been doing before and also you could have been you know some of an eye already to the future with them so we'll see what shakes out
0: all right let's get ready to move on to the clash but before we do that let's try and give these guys a taste of why we call brandon our nascar encyclopedia and think off the top really
1: pumping me up after i already screwed up once Uh, i like
0: it
2: well one of the only times that i ever remember having to correct you on something uh, hopefully so, um, it's not too down great great job at
0: being great job you, you pump my tires lap.
1: up and i blow it into turn one on the first lap you, you gotta love it you
0: brought up this I, season yourself so i hope this is a softball for you how many right. wins did jimmy johnson have in 2007
1: i had 10 huh? that's easy that's an easy, easy one that was a softball i needed that though yeah, yeah softball. I, I needed that one yeah hit, hit that one right out of the park no problem
2: Build back yeah. his confidence.
0: Can you name the wins he had in two thousand seven?
1: Oh, that's that's a lot, man. I mean, I could probably get at least half off the top of my head. Let's go. I mean, you have the you have the four in a row at the end of the year. This is what Martinsville. I think, gosh, I think it was Martinsville, Atlanta, Texas, Phoenix. Those are the four at the end of the year. Yeah, and you want Martinsville in the spring. Yeah, uh, two thousand seven. No, he didn't. Didn't win Indy that year. That was Tony.
0: Yeah, that's also right.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's not even the question you're asking me. I still got that one right. It's, that's impressive, right there. I'm trying to think. That's all I got. But you put me on the spot really quick. I mean, you give me like two, three minutes. I could probably come up with everything.
0: But
2: you don't <laughs> need two or three minutes. Fill in the blanks. I can get. I think I can fill in the blanks. Oh seven. As a big Jeff Gordon fan, 07 is particularly painful. <laughs> uh, but I'm pretty sure he won at Vegas and Atlanta yep, to open. You're right. I remember to Tone, season, you're Tony had yeah, that great
1: up. battle with Tony in Atlanta.
2: Yes. At, at the end of the yeah. Atlanta race. Yeah.
1: Oh, that cobalt car was nice. He, I missed that car.
2: I'm pretty sure he swept Richmond.
1: Yeah. Uh, yep.
2: And then. As the only one we're missing the Fontana race then? I was
1: the Fall Fontana race. Yeah. Fontana
2: race. Ricky I, I can't I can't remember. I can't remember
1: something. that he won that race off the top of my head, but now that you say it, I can remember watching that at my aunt's house. They had a Labor Day party.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> the one the one race I got to go to that year was one of the six races Jeff didn't get a top ten, and I had to watch Jimmy go. win. So There
0: you go. Yeah.
1: Well that's I'll take that. That's that's good. Two people all ten races. Give us an A. Good job, Mark. I like it. There you go.
0: (laughs) You guys bring up that, remembering that race with Jimmy at Atlanta with Tony, the one I remember most is probably the battle with Jeff and, was it 11 or 12? I remember it was like, it was a a delayed race and ran home from school to go and watch the end of it, and Jimmy and Jeff were banging off each other for the final laps.
1: That's some good racing. We won't get that at Atlanta anymore, but maybe that'll be fun.
2: (laughs) well. I mean, the product of that was how it worn the tires uh, were. I, yeah, so. I mean, certainly won't they, get that. They could have not
1: even made it a play track this year, and you still wouldn't get that. I'm going to miss that track.
0: Do you know um, what you will get this year, though, maybe? What? A double yellow line on the backstretch.
2: Oh, boy. I can't wait for that. What? The thing everybody was looking forward to more double yeah, lines. I feel,
1: I feel like that's not going to be as much of a problem at Atlanta. I feel like just the way the track is, like, even in the trial oval, like, where would you say
2: will I don't, split. how can you even put a double yellow line on the tri oval? I, I know, last. but I, th- like. I
1: think they're going to do it. Like, they really widen that apron out. It wouldn't shock me if they put one down there. It's just, I don't, I think it's going to be a lot harder to make those moves under the yellow line compared to Daytona Talbot.
2: Well, I think, I think specifically on the front stretch, I don't think you'll, the Nate layout of the track is going to make it hard to do any passes. Hey. So, especially if they add a, a yellow, double yellow line there, there's, I don't think there'll be much if any on the front stretch. I, I, I wanna pencil that in. It's it's too it's too flat and there's too many turns on the front stretch is is the reality of I, part of the problem. I
1: don't know if that race, race is gonna be good, bad, or just a you know, a demolition derby or what, but yeah. I wanna watch it.
0: Yeah.
1: I'll be I'll make sure I have uh, nothing scheduled on that day.
0: All right, Ryan. late into the show. Let's move on to the clash because we just mentioned demolition derbies, and that's what if it if the clash in real life is anything like what we saw on the iRacing Invitational event that they did last night, it's gonna it's gonna be a demolition derby for sure. Uh, so it's like a three-eighth mile track, and we have it's twenty-three cars in the final heat, right, or in the feature? Yeah, yeah. yeah. twenty-three.
2: Yeah, that is correct.
0: So let's give you guys the real burn down. We ran Bernie on all of the short track information that we've had for the drivers coming into this race. And he came up with some interesting results that he thinks Chase Elliott is going to win. Uh, I don't think this is any stretch of the imagination. He's got Chase running about 11% of the fastest laps in the race, leading about 20% of them. I wouldn't call that a domination of a race. But I would definitely see Chase doing well here. It's going to have the throttle control from all the road courses, these nice tight turns. We've also got Truex finishing second. No surprise there with how good he's been at Martinsville recently. And then Denny finishing third in the Bernie stats, which, again, is no surprise. I think Denny would actually be higher there if it wasn't for getting wrecked by Bowman, uh, bringing his average finish and team finishing orders down for these short tracks, but still leading 20% of the laps led, still looking at about getting 10% of the fastest laps, so sharing stats right up there with Chase. So with that, I think uh, what we're going to look at right now is who we're looking... Specifically, for the fantasy sports teams, who you to put on your DraftKings teams? The salary starting low right now. Uh, we got your top person, Kyle Larson, just at 10K. I know during the normal season we didn't fear seeing him 12,000 and above after winning some races, um, but still not a uh, not a person I would put on my team. He kind of he was fast at the beginning of Martinsville, and he could be fast in the middle of the runs, but we never really saw him moving up there, or having a good average running position.
2: Yeah, Martinsville definitely is his weakest track, especially before coming to Hendrick. Definitely had his best runs that he's had at Martinsville last year. But the guy is right after him. Truex, Denny, Chase, they're all definitely better at Martinsville. I think that's the track we'll see as the most similar to here. Because the other track that I feel like is the closest comparison that'll have elements from is Richmond. Which Kyle Larson does have a win there, but did not run particularly not to the level you saw at the other tracks, at least uh, last year, either. So I do think that it, as the most expensive driver at that 10k mark, there's probably a lot of value deeper in that you can extract as, as opposed to starting Kyle Larson.
1: I mean, the only benefit to using Larson is he is the only driver in the field. and Obviously, if you're sitting down and watching all the heat races, oh, the only driver locked in the field, I should say, If you're sitting down and watching the heat races, you could swap people out before the start. That won't be a problem. But if you're somebody that is, you know, they have plans. They're not going to be able to be at their phone or at their computer to adjust their lineup. Kyle Larson is a good safety net. You know, he's going to be in the show. You know, he's going to get you points. Outside of that, I'd have to agree at the 10,000 price point on him. It's a hard sell for me to put him in a lineup. Again, I think everybody loves Larson. They think of him as this great dirt track racer and... He's great on the short tracks the short tracks really haven't been his strong suit you know like you said martinsville wasn't really good there until he came to hendrick you saw improvement there last year his one win at richmond he ran top five that race i think he was gonna probably finish second but you had a questionable yellow with Derek cope getting up near the wall you go watch the replays he didn't hit it and larson's pit crew got him out front beat truex who had that race one so the only real, you know, hammer down, great short track on the schedule that I'd say Larson is good at is Bristol. You've seen him run good at Bristol in the Xfinity series. You saw him gonna win there this past year um, at the Bristol Night Race. But this track is nothing like Bristol. <laughs> so just looking at that, hard sell. Maybe throw him in there just because he is locked into the show. But I'm going to make a ton of lineups. I'm going to have him in a few. Probably not in the ones that I'm going to highlight right now.
0: So just looking back through our fact sheet here, I've got at both Martinsville and Richmond, Larson only running average position of 8th. Of course, having one uh, worse finish at Richmond with average running position of 20th. So, And he's not the fastest there by any means. So definitely not making my lineup. Although I will say the number one pick for my lineup is going to be Denny. He's a good pick right there just below Larson, I think even though he's the second most expensive person on the list, you have to have him just would dominate these short tracks. So he's my got to have.
2: With the way they've run, I don't think you at all would be wrong. uh, Trying to anchor a team with Truex, Denny, Mm -hmm. or Chase. Uh, With the new car, with the new, with what is a new track, lots of unknowns there, but they're just so solid at most, if not all the road course or the short tracks, excuse me uh chase a little bit weaker at richmond uh at least among the th- the three short tracks uh certainly weaker than denny or truex is at richmond uh just with how he's ran lately at the short tracks if i was going to start one one of these top guys as the anchor it would probably be truex
1: yeah i think i think going with truex is a safe bet um he is a little bit cheaper than Denny. I mean, Denny's at 98, Tricks at 95. When you're making these lineups, 300 can, you know, make or break some teams who you're throwing in there. Um, so looking at that, Tricks might be the safer option. I think I'm leaning towards Denny. Um, you know, he ran really good at Martinsville in the fall. Uh, I think... This is one of those races where I think he wants to go out there and he kind of wants to show off. He wants to be the first person to go to victory lane in one of these cars. I know I think a lot of people are going to think like, "Oh, the first winner in this car is whoever wins Daytona 500." But there's some extra bragging rights in this race, and I think that's something Denny Hamlin. He wants to pencil his name in there and say, "I won the first race in these next gen cars. I won the Bushlight Clash at the Coliseum." So I think he has some motivation and. I'm liking his chances come Sunday.
2: I definitely feel like in terms of media attention, in terms of ego, there has not been a clash that will have as big of a benefit to whoever wins as this one. Not only is it this huge spectacle of a race being advertised all over Southern California, nationally too even, but there's more... I've never seen this level of attention nationally to the start of a NASCAR season as we're having by having this race in the Coliseum. But then whoever wins gets to be the talking point for two weeks until we get to the Daytona five hundred. You know, usually you have a week or so from from the clash leading into the five hundred. And the clash being at Daytona it was still important, but a lot of times, like our last clash on the Oval, like everyone kind of dismissed it. It was a wreck fest. Eric Jones won by being pushed by Denny Hamlin, who was a lap down. But this one in the historic LA Coliseum. Lots of national attention on it. Huge spectacle from the performers to the grand marshals. I think a lot of people are gonna to wanna to win this one, so I definitely don't disagree that Denny's a good pick to go out there and just take it
0: so I think we all are in agreement with what our wonderful friend Bernie has put out for us on the top three drivers here but the real question we all know it's sometimes easy to pick the top of the lineup, who's who's the best at what tracks but it's the value picks when it comes down to it so I'm scrolling down my list I actually tried to get a team where I had Chase Denny and Truex on it so I had to go maybe scraping the bottom of the barrel getting to the lower salary guys but Thanks to DraftKings with the lower salaries right now, it wasn't so bad. So on the bottom here, I got Tyler Ruddick as my lowest salary driver at sixty-seven hundred.
1: I, I almost went with him. That's a, I think that's another good one.
0: I mean, Bernie's got him finishing sixteenth in the field. I mean, and that's right around his average finishing position. I think he'll one hundred percent make the final round here and just be a solid pick to get you some points. Maybe uh, and some guy that he was a guy that was imp- improving so much at the end of the last season that maybe he can even get you one of those random top 10s. That's
1: that's definitely a good pick. I mean, if we're going bottom-of-the-barrel salaries here, I'm I'm going a little outside the box, because I think when you're trying to make one of these teams, you have the data in front of you, you have the salaries in front of you. You kind of got to go outside if you want to put something together that could win it all. Um, and I'm going with somebody that's driving for a team, and they do something that they like to call trophy hunting. I'm going with uh, A.J. Allmendinger on my team. Uh, He has always run good at the short tracks when he's in underfunded equipment or lower-end teams. You've even seen him a couple times eke out second-place finishes at Martinsville. I think he got a second there when he was driving for Penske in 2012. I think he got like a second or a third there when he was driving for uh, JTG uh, Doherty Racing, probably, I'll say like 2015-2016. So I feel this track, it's going to be more similar to Martinsville than the other short tracks. I think AJ, 6,900, really good pick. You may have to hold your breath getting into the show with him, um, but I I think that's somebody, if he could get you into that top 23, if he could get you into the main event, that's somebody that could drive through the field and get you a good finishing position, maybe even steal a trophy for college racing.
2: singer definitely definitely will have some speed. It's really going to be, honestly, there will be some relatively big name driver who misses misses the field only one locked in on points whoever's the large, highest that doesn't get in under the regular qualifying or the regular heat races or last chance races so we'll definitely see someone's if they're not paying attention and not able to adjust their fantasy lineup before the race starts uh, we'll definitely see someone entire fantasy team just go bust because they have someone who didn't make it into the race but My value pick, someone who's ran good at Martinsville, who has some history running tracks similar to this, and uh, I think we might see him take a decent step forward. Also lets me get some more more value higher up. As my value pick, the lowest price driver on my salary is actually Bubba Wallace. And really, honestly, it's going to be a crapshoot. It's going to be someone who's not afraid to go out there and just do whatever they have to do to win, and Bubba will do that.
1: He's a good short track racer too. I mean, he's got what? Two wins at Martinsville in the truck series. Um, I feel like he was running decent at times at Martinsville this past year too. So, that's another pretty solid pick in my opinion.
2: Uh, I did just to go over the rest of the lineup I did follow Matt's general idea. I also have Truex Denny and Chase in my lineup. Also actually with Tyler Reddick as well and Bubba Wallace. And then the driver who, overall, I would say is probably my pick to have their true breakout season, uh, being William Byron, as my sixth driver. <laughs> I mean,
0: I mean uh, running down mine, I've got I've got Chase, Denny, and Truix in my main lineup. Then I got our value picks that we both talk that you guys both talked about. I mentioned Reddick and Dinger. And then my mid my midfield guy that I fit in here was Brad. I mean, Brad's shown great performance on tracks like Martinsville and. Even though I know he's in the new equipment and it could go either way, I still think at seventy eight hundred he's a good pick to have there right in the middle to fill out your lineup.
1: Yeah, even in the lesser equipment, um, it's a short track. Like I I think we've stated already the cars might be closer together. But even if they weren't short tracks, restrictor plate tracks, they kinda of bring the feel together. So someone like Brad, who has a bunch of success on the short tracks, um, definitely an easy choice. I have him on my team along with Denny and Dinger. Um, The other three guys that I went with, I went with Chase. I think that's a pretty solid choice. He looked like at times, you know, he could have won the Martinsville race in the fall this past year. William Byron, I also went with. Uh, He was a lot better in the spring at Martinsville. Um, I think maybe you saw that team get pushed on the back burner a little bit just because they weren't in the playoffs in the fall, but that's somebody who is really beginning to show what he has at this level. I'm with Mark. I think he's going to hit his stride this year. That's somebody to watch out for. And I think he's going to have a really good run on Sunday. And my last driver to fill out my team of six, I went with the guy who won the race in the fall at Martinsville. And he also won at Richmond in the spring, Alex Bowman. Um, Tough decision there because that is the one driver, I think we touched on it earlier. While we do see an increase in horsepower on the bigger tracks, they did drop it on the smaller ones. So it's a little you know, I was questioning the pick, but it's kind of hard to go against the guy that did win two races last year on these short tracks. Um so that rounds out my team.
2: Yeah, and I'm with Bowman, when you look at the price of him, seventy four hundred. It's only 300 more than Austin Cedric, 500 more than Almondinger, And I think if those are the guys you're looking at and you're deciding between them or Bowman, I think Bowman definitely makes a ton <laughs> of sense there. Most experience in the car, four wins last year. What was last year and historically has been most of the years, even despite a couple years off, the best team <laughs> in the sport. Uh, just, you know, what's. One last note on William Byron. Uh, At the end of the season last year, in the round of eight, the only driver in the round of eight who scored more points than William Byron is our champion, Kyle Larson. Despite not being in the playoffs, the team was building a lot of speed at the end of the year, and I think we will just continue to see that. They kind of hit that mid-year slump, which honestly seems to happen a lot to Hendrick Motorsports. Even back in 07, between in that, those summer months of June, July, August, I think they won one race. And even this past year, everyone other than Larson, even Larson, for his standards of what were last year, had a little bit of some down, down races in there where he just wasn't going out and leading all the laps. Couldn't quite close I mean, I
1: bubble. think... You really saw Byron start to come into his own last year, probably around that Michigan race. I mean, that was a race. If it wasn't for some late yellows, he was probably going to duke it out with Kyle Larson for that win. Came up short on the restart when Blaney got by. From from that point on, you can make the argument, he showed the most speed, arguably, out of any of the drivers in the series. I mean, the numbers back it up in terms of the points he's just a really unlucky round two in the playoffs from probably making the final four. I mean, Talladega's Talladega. He got caught up in a wreck before the rain came, ruined his day, had to go for broke at the Roval, Um, stuffed it in one of the turns there trying to chase down Larson at the end of the race. You know, you take away those two things, William Byron's probably going to Phoenix with a chance at the championship. So I think you're going to see a lot more from that kid moving forward into this year. I think he's going to be able to build on that momentum and I think you're right when you said that's somebody that could have a breakout year. Watch out for William Byron.
0: So moving on to the sports book, and now that we've got our fancy team lineups done, we're also going to take a look at these featured matchups. And this is the first time I think I've ever seen DraftKings do positional spreads for NASCAR. So they got some featured matchups, which is basically your money line, and then they gave you some positional spreads. We're going to run down the four of these real quick. So we have Brad at minus one and a half to Kevin Harvick. I think you have to take Harvick on that deal. Uh, even with the new equipment, eh, eh, the new equipment's going to be one hindrance to Brad to get used to, but just in general, Bernie's saying that Harvick's going to beat Brad, and I, I'm i the statistics guy here, so I'd have to think that's going to be true.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know Stuart Haas was down. I think Brad and everything he's bringing over to Roush is going to make the team better, but... First race out of the gate at a short track, and that was one of the types of tracks that Harvick and SHR did run better at last year. Showing Brad, the favorite to me, is surprising. Um, I would definitely take Harvick on that one. I think that's an easy one. Maybe not the Hammer. I think there's one more in here, and we'll get to that probably in a second. That is one you'd absolutely hammer, but Harvick over Keselowski, plus 1.5. Give me the spots. I'm taking Harvick.
2: Yeah, at, and even without the spread, I would probably lean Harvick there. Given Harvick gets a position and a half, I'm definitely
0: taking Harvick. Here. You've got Chase Elliott against Kyle Larson. The spread is Chase at minus two and a half. I know my personal opinion here is to maybe stay away, go for Chase on the money line. Because um, you just never know with Kyle Kyle Larson. You, Larson just starts to pull these races out of nowhere. He could be even better this year than he was last, so... I do think Chase will win overall. I just don't know if he'll be by two and two and a half positions.
1: Um, yeah, no, this this is the one I'm talking about. Uh, this is a no-brainer for me. I'm hammering Chase Elliott. He's just a better short track racer. Two and a half might seem like a lot, but Larson to me, like this is if there's a weak spot in his driving ability, even if you're just going back to last year when he joined Hendrick Motorsports, it's probably the short tracks. I think Chase is a better short track racer. Well, the, the flat, flat short, short tracks. tracks, that's true. Because Bristol, I'm probably going with Kyle Larson all day. Like That's that's his bread and butter right there. He runs up there like it's a, a dirt track. He just knows how to drive that place. But the short flat tracks, I think you could even stretch it out. I know he won at Phoenix in the fall this past year, but that was a well-timed yellow. His pit crew gave him one of the best pit stops you'll ever see, which we'll never see again with
2: the new lugs on the
1: wheels. But, well, I mean, he
2: oh. got out in front because he... Was oh, that that, that too? Lock. That helped. They had they had they had a competitive car, but it's you'd be hard pressed to say that before those last couple of cautions, it looked like Kyle Larson was going to walk it away. It felt
1: like he was the Chase fourth means. car. It was eerily similar to Truex in 2017, where it felt like they didn't have it. He was the fourth car, caught a good yellow, got out front at the end of the race, and held off Kyle. It was very similar, in my opinion, to that. But back to the spread, I think Chase Elliott's just the better overall driver for this type of track. Um, two and a half is a lot, but I'm going to roll the dice. I'm going to hammer Chase Elliott.
2: I definitely think if taking here, I'd take Chase Elliott. I would be more comfortable hammering just the straight up mashup than the positional spread. Uh, but even at the spread, I definitely would favor Chase.
0: O'Keefe. So our third one here, and I think this is the one I would hammer, is Joey Logano, one and a half over Kyle Busch. Uh, I, I think that's a no-brainer for me that is definitely going to beat Kyle by two spots here. Uh, Kyle's I think this is a track where Kyle's going to get easily frustrated and probably hurt his car to the point. Maybe he doesn't even make the main. He could be the, he would be mine that has a chance to just frustrate and wreck the car before he makes it.
1: Why do I feel like that they're just gonna wreck each other? They're gonna get drawn up in their heat. I could totally see those two going at it and knocking each other both out before they get to the feature race. <laughs> uh um I'm probably gonna go Kyle. Um again, Joey Logano to me, it's a short track. He's not a bad short track racer, but when I think of short tracks, I think of Kyle Bush, I think of Joe Gibbs racing. They've been arguably you know, one of the most dominant teams on these types of tracks. Um, it just, it seems like a Kyle Bush track to me. I could see these guys finishing nose to tail, so this would be one where I wouldn't be shocked at the end of the day if, you know, Kyle beats him by one. This might be a safer bet on a regular matchup. Um, but going over the spread, one and a half, I'm going to lean Kyle. Um, not something I'd hammer, but I think there's a pretty good chance of it happening. But I'm with you. I think he's got to get through the heat races. This could very well be one of those Kyle Busch blow up moments. If uh, things don't go his way out of the gate.
2: Kyle could always blow up. That's always a possibility, but I think one of the underrated talking points, really not wasn't talked about at all last year. I feel, especially with Stuart Haas struggling the way they were. And it's easy to overlook it. All three Penske drivers made the round of eight, all three, won races. Ryan Blaney won for the first time in his career, multiple races. But especially when you look at what Brad and Logano have done prior to last year, there definitely felt like there was something missing from their cars at the bare minimum at Penske last year. Uh, Kyle had a decent bit better year than the year before, a lot more competitive. I don't love it, but I would take Kyle here.
0: All right, we're on to our final feature matchup of the week. Blaney versus Byron. They're going to spot Byron two and a half positions, Blaney at minus two and a half. This one is hard for me because although I do think Blaney could beat Byron by three positions, Blaney's known for having not so great luck at these short tracks, especially towards the end, causing him to fall back a few positions from where he should really finish. Uh even though Byron hasn't really shown us anything great at the short tracks, it's definitely a cause for concern of Blaney falling back at the end. So this is this might be one that I just stay away from altogether. I think the positional spread for me is completely out, and even betting on the line would be, uh, would be a little hairy.
1: Yeah, I think this is one where... You have Blaney, I think he was the best driver at Penske last year, and you have William Byron, who was really hitting his stride towards the end of the year. You can really say the same for Blaney, too. Um, If he doesn't get taken out at Kansas by Austin Dillon, that's another what-if situation where maybe he's in the final four. And I believe he finished fifth in that Phoenix race, so he was
2: the best. Finished, finished fourth forth, actually. He, he got chase passed, at the end. He, yes, he passed chase. He, he passed chase last lap. Even, or two laps even better
1: then. I mean, it just shows that he was right there with these guys at the end of the year last year. Um, and then Byron again. Like we were saying, that's some. These guys are pretty close. Like they're they're almost identical. I feel like in the seasons they had last year, where they run well, two and a half is a lot. Um, that's one where I think these guys could be nose to tail at the end of the race. I'm with Matt. This might be one you want to stay away from. Um, but if you have to pick somebody, I'm probably going William Byron, and I'll take the spots.
2: I'm going to go in, uh William Byron. I will take will- William Byron. But I actually really like this matchup for Byron. At the end of the last year, had some great speed. And Blaney did too. But I think one of the things that also we've forgotten with Blaney is that he does have a new crew chief uh, this
1: yeah. year. Yeah, I did forget about that. That's a very good point.
2: Losing Todd Gordon to get Todd Gordon for one year, two years. Uh, I think it was, might've just been one. I can't remember remember either. (laughs) Um, has a career year and then Todd Gordon goes and retires. So I, I like Byron a lot. I like Byron a lot to be the breakout driver this year. I definitely like him in this matchup, even especially given two and a half positions.
1: That's uh, over that, That's a lot. Like, I I didn't feel that way against with Chase and Larson, but that's just how strongly I feel about Chase at these tracks compared to Larson, which I already stated is probably one of his weak spots um, when it comes to the series. Byron at plus two and a half, it, it feels like I want to like, Say it, because it's big to say something like this, but it kind of feels like easy money. It it kind of feels like you could put it in there, and as long as you don't have something crazy happen, which I guess very well could at the Coliseum, it's probably a pretty safe bet that you're going to see a return on it.
0: So I'm just looking over here at the stats that put my thought even more and kind of like solidify my thought. We've got Bernie putting Brian Blaney at sixth. Still only showing an average finish at tracks like this is 11, is at 11.6 on the stats that we have. And Byron is just at about 14. So, I mean, the spread's right there are based on their average finishes. But Blaney's so high up there just because, like I said, he's good, at, he's good in the beginning. He's got 10% projection of the laps led. I see the same thing happening to him here. He'll get out front, he'll run really good, and then he'll get into a bad situation just finish somewhere probably in mid-pack right around where i think byron's gonna finish all right so that's all our featured matchups for that this week that's our breakdown for the la coliseum we've gone over new teams who we think will do better in the next gen car and we're looking forward to this weekend at the la coliseum i know mark's gonna be there in person enjoying it myself and brandon will be joining from our couches all right everyone thank you for joining us here on the Bernie Leagues podcast. It's been a great show. Looking forward to the LA Coliseum and we'll catch up with you to go over what we think will happen in the duels next week.